you're listening to Youth Flash, where we investigate issues concerning young people in the Colombian capital of Bogotá. In this episode, we ask what censorship means in a country with a half a century long civil conflict. For me, censorship is to forbid. It is to inhibit persons from saying what they want to say, to not have the freedom to express. Anything that comes to the public, like try to take it down and not let the public see it. In Colombia, there is a lot of intolerance. Funding from the government, you won't get that if you don't have the same point of view that they need. For us, for the students, our ideologies doesn't go with the meetings of the government, with the meetings of the powerful people, so that's why you cannot say everything you want. I have been censured quite a lot for political stuff, especially when it comes to the political parties like Centro Democrático, which they censor a lot. Here in Colombia, there is a saying that on a table with a family, you don't talk about the economy, politics, religion, or football teams. I feel like the Colombian press is it's not really free. They are really influenced by, by other powers like governments of rich people. I think they are free to, to, to express <clears throat> the news, but not what's behind them. It's more balanced than before, but not balanced. There is no freedom. They just show what is convenient for them, and those who actually can express themselves are either getting closed or censured. There are a lot of things hidden from us because it's not convenient for the strongest powers in Colombia for us to know so many things about corruption, about dirty deals. I feel that actually we have a lot of information about violence, about the war, and most of the times we don't know anything about technology, about the process that we are facing in our country because it's not attractive for the news. It's like a show, I don't know, like they just want to sell you. We have some options to express ourselves and try to do it, but I think the tools that we have are not enough. Thank you guys that come from outside and not let the media circle in Colombia close in in itself because international attention helps us get the horrible things that happen outside. Before diving into this exciting topic, a quick hello and a warm welcome to everyone. Apart from the topic, we also have some changes in the moderators of the program today. You might wonder who I am. My name is Pelin and I am replacing Moa on this episode. I hope that you won't, won't miss her too much. I promise to do my best. And a welcome, warm welcome to you, Berlin, to for joining us in the studio. You've been behind the like the editing and stuff like that a bit. Yeah, thank you, Chris. So, so who are you? Could you tell us a bit more? Wow, well, that's a hard one. I mean, to present yourself, like for real, who am I? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, joke aside. Well, my name is Pelinin. Uh, like in going in <laughs> and believe me i've heard plenty of jokes about my last name during my lifetime it's like a life sentence there's <laughs> a lot of puns you can do in that one <laughs> yeah once my teacher told me pelin out he was like a bit uh, angry <laughs> uh, however what's more impor important than the story behind my name is that i'm also one of lothar juventud's interns and i'm 24 years old also from sweden studying political science at the university of gothenburg Love to travel, uh, who doesn't actually? And I would say that one issue that I do have a particular passion for is migration. I've also worked at the Swedish Migration Agency before and wrote my bachelor thesis about migration. So yeah, very, that's me very briefly, I guess. Uh, also, I could add that I'm not a fan of talking about myself. <laughs> um. Okay, yeah, thanks, Billy. Um 
So yeah, this the idea of this episode started somewhere the first week when we were here, um, and we were at a fo- photo exhibition by a photographer photographer called uh, Jesus Abad Colorado, who had documented the aftermath of massacres, assassinations, and disappearances during the conflict in here in Colombia. And what I reacted to personally was that even though this exhibition was right next to the presidential palace, it still touched on some sensitive subjects, including the murder of Jesus Maria Valle in 1992, who was a lawyer and human rights activist who investigated links between paramilitaries in Antioquia, um, who were responsible for for horrible massacres, and uh, the military and local government that was led by later president Alvaro Uribe. Now. The reason I reacted to this is that Uribe has been accused to be involved in the murder and to have supported the paramilitaries. He's also understood to be, by many, to exercise a lot of influence over the sitting president, Ivan Duque. So as my only experience personally of censorship is from Vietnam, where it is a very explicit and obvious exercise by the government, I feel intrigued by this, for me, new type of of context where censorship seems to be something totally different from the classical direct manipulation of information. Yeah, and this is very interesting and also something that our guest for this episode will dig deeper into later in this episode about the indirect censorship. Uh, But first, maybe we could give a brief information about the general situation of journalists and press freedom in Mm -hmm. Colombia. Unfortunately, Colombia continues to be a dangerous country for journalists and other critical voices who are subject to murders, death threats, harassments, intimidations, violence, spying, etc., uh, that are silencing the news media in the country. Uh, according to Freedom House, the country is only partly free with regard to civil liberties and political rights. Yeah. And since the national strike began on 2000, the, sorry, the 21st of November this year, that is 2019, Around 20 journalists have been arrested on illegal grounds, as reported by Colombia's Press Freedom Foundation, FLIP, or FLIP. Uh, And the same foundation reports that around 50 journalists have been subjected to aggressions since the nationwide protest started. More than 50% of these cases uh, being aggressions by alleged police officers. Consequently, FLIP has expressed serious concerns as a result of this alarming development. Yeah, so... This time, to get a deeper understanding of censorship in Colombia, we interviewed a person that has done relevant research in this area, Sandra Osses, who is a researcher in communication, political science and journalism at the univers- at a university here in Bogota. Hi, we are here at the studio of Tesla Radio once again, this time with Sandra Osses, an associate professor of the Department of Social Communication and Journalism at the Universidad Central here in Bogota. Hi, Sandra, a warm welcome to you. Would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? Who are you? Okay, hi. Uh, thanks for the invitation. I am a social communicator until 20 years more or less. I work especially in community communications and another scopes in my job was violence, gender, etc. And I make many researches about these scopes in the university and in other organizations. Um, so this episode is about censorship and um, 
I would like to ask you first, what is censorship and what does it mean in the context of Colombia? Today, the context in Colombia is sensible. Our history is many uh, shared for the violence, the inequality. But in this moment, the change is more different because the youth is waking up about is possible really change. And in this moment, the censorships are very attentive with the movements and the uh, mobilization, especially of the youths in the streets, because they are threatening for the system, for the main interests of the business, political, and religious include elites. And I think these persons are very expectant about the change. So what, what does censorship mean as, as a concept and how is it affected by what you just described? I think the censorship is fear. Fear of the elite because the youths and, and other people for example, indigenous movement, women movement, are very, very mm, trust about the change is possible. In Colombia, the censorship have a big trajectory. In our history, the censorship are tool for the elites to make the people obey. We feel the censorship. When you think different, you feel the censorship because it's like a stamp of dislike. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, we looked at the World Press Freedom Index for Colombia and found that out of 180 countries, Colombia was ranked as the 129th in 2019, so this year. And according to Freedom House, Colombia is considered partly free, both with regards to political rights and civil liberties, um, with a score of 65 out of 100, in which 100 is considered like the most free and zero as the least free. So what is your evaluation as a researcher? Like how free is the Colombian press and the Colombian people? The last week... Pacifist, that is an observatory of press and violence in Colombia, published a number very terrible. <laughs> it's a 365 murders until the first day of the Havana Agreement. In these 367, 40% are related with censorship, mm -hmm. with press or with another form of the speech. Yeah. And this is a terrible view because the people listen every day message about it's not good, think different. Mm -hmm. Yes. For example, in the community radio, the leaders of the community radio are threatened, murdered, censored. And what can the censorship be like in that case? Like what, how would it express itself? For example, in Pasto, Nariño, uh, one journalist uh, received uh, many calls saying, please don't speak more of this or this candidate. Mm -hmm. 
because you and your sons or your daughter are in dangerous. Yes? Wow. And it's for one little news mm -hmm. in the morning, for example. And in this afternoon, mm -hmm. she received the call. Wow. Yes? The censorship is more than the threatened or direct. Yeah, direct. Yes, threats. direct. Mm -hmm. Is the self-censorship, the culture, music, And another forms more creative are the exit for the fear, for the censorship. Mm -hmm. And these people don't keep silence. They try to um, express themselves in a way that is not as obvious to, mm -hmm. to avoid the censorship in a way. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And it's very different. In Colombia, the news are very little or a few time in the programmation. They think the violence is the reason for this phenomena. Cecilia Cerazo is a researcher from Argentina. She say beautiful sentence. She say that in Colombia, the people that work in community medias and in another channels of communication are heroes because it's very difficult speech in silence context. Uh, so the 23rd of September 2019, not so long ago, you, together with other scholars, you launched a journalistic guide uh, called Pistas para hacer del desarrollo plan, mm -hmm. uh, which, uh, as I understood, it contains like tools and clues on how to track, make visible, and influence tutorial de development plans for both journalists and communicators. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about this journalistic guide? What does it contain, and what is the aim of it? I was invited to work in this beautiful project. It was uh, work with another people in two regions, Guajira and Chocó. We have many workshops with journalists and communicators in these regions, and we speak about how make a plan for communicate the territorial development plan. The people usually don't know these plans because the governance make the plans and hit the plans and don't show to the people. With this work, we can make many exercises with the journalists and make follow-up to the plans. And the people are very happy <laughs> because the communication is uh, very strategic in this space. It's necessary to communicate the plans, but it's very difficult because the pressure on on the people is subtle so. but strength and continuous pressure i think the guide is uh, a good box of tools for the journalist but they need make collective actions because if they are together they are strength Uh, you have uh, plenty of research about media in Colombia, and even though this episode is mainly focusing on censorship, believing that censorship and alternative media goes hand in hand, 
Uh, we would like to ask you about how censorship looks like for alternative media outlets. Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of censorship, if any, can we encounter there? And have you personally encountered censorship? The alternative media in Colombia are suffer the many different forms of censorship. For example, continuous regulations on their structures, organizations, people, etc. When alternative media make a good job, the people come and they need more reach. But the legally forms don't let ground. This is a censorship form. And other forms are the obstacles for use of language or forms traditional the language or the limits for speak about political and religious themes, for example. The censorship is not only the direct actions on the people or on the audience, the censorship is too an indirect form for maintain the people in between the limits. I don't have any concrete experience of censorship on my body, for example, but I live every day with the censorship more subtle that make the same sense to think different and be a disliked person. Yes, is symbolic operation that affect the people in your more intimes forms and relations. For example, when a mother uh, see the son um, working on participating in a protest, in a mobilization, yeah. the mother say, son, you are not uh, homeless. You are not a uh, bus or low level people. Yes. When this occur, the people say direct relationship between the political participation and dislike. I think this is the more deep censorship form in Colombia. Okay. Um, yeah, so we looked up some statistics for the situation of people uh, working with media in the country. Um, and it turns out that more than 60 journalists have been killed since uh, 1999. And since the peace agreement um, in 2016, around 700 social leaders have been assassinated. And one of Colombia's most prominent columnists, Daniel Coronel, mm -hmm. um, was temporarily fired from the magazine Semana this past um, spring. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and earlier this autumn, the famous uh, channel Noticias Uno also stopped airing their program, which became a big controversy about uh, whether they were censored or not. So my question is, how do you think the censorship in Colombia affects the work of journalists? And which would you say are the biggest challenges for journalists in Colombia? The problem is that in Colombia, the ounce of the political and economical systems are the same ounce of the media communication. The monopolic forms are very strength. This is a phenomenon global, but in Colombia is more more critical because the political people in Colombia are convinced of the media are theirs. This vulnerability 
of the journalist is more critical when they need survive with little witches and they need more support from for example unions in the most famous cases like Daniel Coronel is another issue but is sim because Daniel Coronel is too victim for the monopolic and corrupt form of the journalist. When he try say truths about the political people, he he is in the target. Right. Because say inconvenience issues or themes about the people that is the same people own of the media, own of the politica, own of the territory, own of or the country. Yes. For example, Daniel Samper is a journalist and Juanita of the La Puya News is another journalist. But they walk on the comic humor way. Right. They are many funny and many critical. Yeah. In this week, they make a program about Noticias Uno, like the new daily news of the power. Oh, of okay. the fachos, yeah. yes, because uh, Noticias Uno are the independent journalists, mm -hmm. but they can't make a sustainable their news daily, okay. and they need obtain uh, resource, and people say that they sell themselves to market to power, etc. And it's repeat uh, the vicious circle. Mm -hmm. And the challenge is we need begin to make a new agreement about who is the own of the information and communication in Colombia. But it's very difficult because the violence is the permanent obstacle for our conversations. And we don't trust in ourselves. And we work separately. We need joint our efforts for make another force, new force, alternative to the big enterprises, communications. Yeah. So the idea of this podcast is to reach out to a, um, an international audience. So we thought a bit about the international media um, and like, how do you think that the censorship in Colombia affects what the international media writes about the country, especially when it comes to the censorship in like in the press and also vice versa. Like how does the international press and like the coverage affect the, the censorship here? The censorship is a global business. I think the biggest business in this world are these three, fear, security, and censorship, because it's the more effective form to make people obey. And all is interconnected. I think the international press is strengthened, connected with the local and national press. Uh, because, for example, if change like CNN make one form of the news and make a model, homogenic model, they management all the news in 
the world. In the global communication ecosystem is today many tries for another form to communication. But I think these forms are very weak tries because the same issue is the concentration for the capital and for the information. The information is the power. It's, it's very simple, but it's the reality. Yeah. If we think the ecosystem of communication are one global system, the movements in law and country affect the news, the information dynamic in all the all the world. I think we need like in Colombia in the planet, in the global system, we need make another forms. Right. And the, can you see that when you look at international media, how they report about Colombia and that they are part of the same system? They reproduce, for example, the prejudice, the stereotypes, the common sense in the views of Colombian people, for example. In Walmart, the international supermarkets yeah. have a problem about the stereotype. Mm-hmm. of the people Colombian with the cocaine um, and narco-traffic. Yeah. It's terrible. Today, heroes are the narco-traffic. The people asking me uh, in other countries, Sandra, the, co- the Colombian cocaine is the better, really? I don't know. I don't use cocaine. Yeah. But all but people in Colombia, exactly. yes, but you are Colombian. When, when you make the news about stereotypes, prejudice, you affect all the global system of communication and information. I think we need form the journalists more critical, mm-hmm. more sensitive with another forms to life in this world. Right. Yes. So um, we asked youth on the street if they believe the information they receive from media is balanced and the response were mixed as some of them mentioned that powerful people like politicians the economic elite etc are influencing mainstream media too much and that they often need to complement the information from alternative resources um, in order to balance the information they get um, and others claim that there is an improvement and that the information is more balanced today than it used to be before and also some people say that they try to express themselves but that there are not enough tools to do that so do you think that would be a problem of censorship and in what forms can censorship express itself we have been talking about the censorship like synonymous to any form of pressure on the journalist on the freedom for 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 speech for communicate etc but the censorship is a concrete concept The censorship are defined for the action of the people in the power on another people. It's like a form of domination. The censorship is strongly related with power of the domination. Historically, the media schools teach about neutrality, Objectivity are the principles of the journalist. But we think today the neutrality and objectivity are impossible because the people have interpretation capacity. We need to learn about another forms to balance the information. More 
extensive forms of dialogue, empathic dialogue. Balanced information doesn't exist. Okay. So you think you think it's impossible? Yes, it's impossible. The people need to learn to read critically the information, make uh, their proper sense. Uh, one of the persons from the street, I'm citing him, uh, he said, nobody cares about the science, the arts. Uh, everybody talks about the violence in the countryside and the narco-traffic problem. He and some others basically believe that there's too much reporting about the violence in the country and less about the technology and science because the media is more interested in selling these kind of news that are considered to be more attractive. Uh, what are your, your comments on this issue? Do you agree with them? I agree. The media form the audience, but the audience is form media too. The people need learn to demand another contents. If people use, consume another contents, the media make another contents. So in Colombia, a large part of the population lives without access to local news, as it is dangerous in many places to provide that information. Um, and in 2016, 43% of the population lived in silenced areas uh, without local information, uh, according to the Colombian Foundation uh, for Press Freedom, the FL FLAP. La FLIP. La FLIP, mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, so where does that problem come from and what is done about it? Like, how does people handle it? Freedom for speech is a new issue in Colombia because we have normalized the censorship. Only until a few years we have mechanism like FLIP. FLIP have many tools for measure, control about the violence or the violation about the rights of freedom press but the people don't know about these mechanisms mm, okay. i think many many people think the information is enough we have uh, entertainment tv entertainment radio they're, they're satisfied in a way yes when you never have good information you don't know the information We need form the young people for read critically the media. Okay, so then we got one, one last question before we leave. And that's something we do with everyone we invite. And it's to ask you to give a call to action to people who may listen to this program around the world, like something that they could do like in their context or in their day or whatever you feel like um, that you think could be a help to do this issue or something that you think you want them to do. If one person know another issues, another customs, another practice of the Colombian people, this person help to Colombian people change in front of world. I think nets are the power of change mm -hmm. in this moment in the world. When I speak with you or with another people, we change immediately. Yeah. Yes. So we need to connect more between people yes. across the globe. Yes. Not only link to make actions mm -hmm. or consume or business. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think we need make links to change the work, mm -hmm. change the daily life yeah. and other forms to produce sense mm -hmm. in our daily life. Yeah. Beautiful. 
So Chris, what are your main takeaways after our interview with Sandra? Mm, to me, what stood out the most were two things. First, that Sandra said that the big media, who are those that should criticize the power, are controlled by the same powers they should scrutinize. So I think you can see that in the case of Daniel Coronel, for example, and that that would be a very severe form of censorship. But she also spoke of completing the picture, reading information critically, which I think is very possible in the age of global connection and where we are flooded with channels of communication. So the message you had in the end that we need to connect and make up our own perceptions of each of each other um, really spoke to me. Um, I think that would be really, really beautiful if people actually did that. Yeah, I totally agree. And about completing the picture, as Sandra also mentions, it is hard, if not impossible, to find a 100% balanced information. Many times we are very focused on the role of the media in providing us with unbiased and objective information, but we rarely speak about the responsibility we have as consumers in demand demanding the type of news that uh, we want to have and to try to balance the information we receive. Absolutely. And I think that the form of like supply and demand that we see in, in media is totally different from the one we see in like um, other types of products because the product we're demanding is also um, changing our perceptions of what we want and what we believe in. So it's kind of a, a commercial that we also demand. Um, so I think it's a lot more complicated. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, also, the point she highlighted about the indirect and direct censorship is worth mentioning. Personally, I often think of more direct forms of censorship when talking about censorship, like a person either with money or political power telling someone that if you say or publish this, there will be some consequences. But this cultural form that Sandra mentions is very interesting. She gives the example of a mother telling her son that protesting on the street streets is associated with something that homeless people do. And I think this is something we both have witnessed uh, during the national strike here in Colombia. We also follow the lo local news and many, many times the protesters were portrayed as vandalizers. People that think differently are demonized and censorship normalized in the society, basically. And this is very problematic because it's harder to fight something that is so subtle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, def I, I would, wouldn't say that I've seen like the censorship in that sense, but I've definitely seen like how people are grouped together um, just for, for being out in the streets and being grouped together with vandalizers. And even though we've been to the marches a lot of times um, and seeing the, the nice and, and, and peaceful and lovely people that are, are in protest. So that was it for this episode and also for us. We are now ending our internships, so from here the the, um, the coming interns will take over. And I'm sure you will enjoy that as well. Oh, this is sad. I know. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. And if you want to keep on listening, follow our podcast, Youth Flash. And also check out Tesla Radio and La Otra Juventud on social media. Gracias por escuchar. Ciao. Ciao.